Good afternoon. Uh, first time using a gavel, so, so bear with me. Um, this is the Education Committee, Monday, February 5th, 145. Uh, wanted to invite uh, members of the Charleston County School District. You're welcome to come forward and, and sit at the tables here in front of us. Um, both sides are open. And while they're doing that, we will move to agenda item number two, which is approval of minutes from the February 6th, 2023 meeting. Do I have a motion? Uh, motion to approve. And I'll second that. Any discussion? All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Let's move to item number three, which is public comments. Is there anybody here to um, speak to us? Seeing none, we will go ahead and close public comments and we will move on to agenda item number four, which is the Charleston County School District update on the town of Mount Pleasant schools and enrollment projections. And uh, I have the great honor of uh, introducing uh, Superintendent Anita Huggins, and we're thrilled to have you at the helm of uh, Charleston County School District, and um, we're thrilled to have you here with us today. So welcome and congratulations. Can you hear me now? Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Brownstein. We're honored to be here today. Uh, Jeff Rowley, our Chief of Operations, is here alongside me to my right. You'll see our Board Chair, um, Keith Grabowski, here, along with Pam McKinney, another member of our team. Also accompanying us is Oscar Douglas and Vanessa Denny, our, um, our Executive Director of Communications. So thank you for the opportunity to be here to talk to you about our children and the work we're doing in Mount Pleasant Schools. We've got Eric coming up to help. Advance forward. Um, use the. I know you're particularly interested today in the state of your schools, the, the physical state of them, as well as our capital projects. And so that's why Mr. Barrowi is here to accompany me. But if you take a quick look at these slides, I just want to make sure that you understand um, from our perspective what we focus on as we look at the whole child and how we best serve teachers and students. And we believe that we um, best serve your communities by focusing on children and the education of them. And so you'll see we focus our time on grade level instruction, high quality teachers and leaders, and wraparound services. In addition to that, we are particularly focused now uh, in our communities on how we engage with communities. And so I'm going to go on to the next slide here so that Mr. Barrelli can take over and talk to you a little bit about enrollment in which you are particularly interested, projections, and some of the capital projects that he and his team are working on. Mr. Barrelli. Thank you, Superintendent Huggins. Um, I want to first thank uh, Chief Arnold and the Police Department. I'll tell you the relationship we have with security um, has been phenomenal. Um, we believe that through uh, the personnel aspect combined with our physical uh, security and training that we do in-house uh, really provides I, what I believe are among the safest uh, schools in the country and we can't do that without your support uh, here in Mount Pleasant. Uh, on the recreation side, Councilman Iacofano and Steve Gurkic have done a great job in supporting uh, the moving forward of the use agreement so that we make the most of our recreational facilities uh, between the town and the school district. Uh, it's one thing that um, I think, again, demonstrates that we are 
uh, good stewards of our taxpayer dollars by making the most of using those facilities, whether the investments made by the town or made by the school district. Uh, looking at these numbers here, um, we, we put a lot of time and effort uh, into our enrollment projections. Uh, this shows our last uh, seven years of actual numbers with one year of projection. Right now we're in the, the sweet spot of projections where we do have a five-year projection, but we're updating those right now. Uh, next month we'll have the next five years beyond uh, FY25. This slide shows your elementary schools plus Sullivan's Island, uh, which is part of the D2 uh, the D2 community. Uh, I want to just point out a couple of data points with this. Um, Pre-COVID, we call pre-COVID FY20. Uh, the number there is 65.79 for pre-K through fifth grade. You can see the 500 student drop uh, between 20 and 21. We saw that uh, drop across our school district and then it gradually uh, increased and was brought back up. But what you really see is not a significant difference between pre-COVID in FY24, the actual numbers, uh, it goes from 65.79 to 67.15. Uh, that's only an increase of 136 students, 2%. So 2% over four years is really not, uh, not significant growth uh, when we look at that. Uh, looking at individual schools, uh, a couple of anomalies looking ahead to 2020, FY25. Uh, we show a slight drop in uh, white sides. Uh, we show a slight increase in J.B. Edwards. And we've worked through the details of that with our principals to understand uh, why those numbers exist. And I can say the white size number has nothing to do with uh, the events that we've had out there this, this past year. It's the fifth grade class was larger, that goes away. The kindergarten class coming in is smaller. And so when you balance that out, uh, white sides uh, will have less students, uh, less students next year. What I don't have on the slide is capacity. Our capacity for elementary schools is over 7,900. So 79.16, and we've got 67.71. So there's plenty of room in the elementary schools. Um, if we have to work through any rezoning among schools, we work that through the constituent district. Uh, but right, right now, we do not believe that that's necessary. Moving on to the next slide, which are middle and, and high schools. You can see the three middles, Langbultry and Curio, and the two high schools, Beckham and Wando. Uh, similar to the elementary schools, the middle schools haven't seen very much growth either. If you compare FY20 to FY24, that's 3,200 compared to 3,280. That's 80 additional kids over four years. That's 2.5%. So again, uh, elementary and middle, not, not much of an increase at all within uh, Mount Pleasant uh, middle schools. The high schools, we have seen a substantial difference. Uh, 500 student increase when you combine Beckham and Wando uh, together over that same COVID, uh, COVID gap, um, but we believe that with um, the support of the Center for Advanced Studies, which does account for some of the students at both of the schools, that provides additional capacity, and right now we have the additional trailers uh, at Wando, um, and I didn't give you the, the capacity numbers. Capacity for middle school is 3894 compared to the 3280 that we have, and the capacity of high schools is 4695 compared to 4358, and that's without, without trailers uh, at, those, at that school uh, at Beckham. Uh, overall, I mentioned our uh, use of the projections. Those, those projections really um, lead toward how many teachers get put in every school, so it's very important we do the best we possibly can to get that number right. Uh, for Mount Pleasant, we projected 14,422 this year. 
14,353. That's 69 kid difference across K through 12, 0.5% difference, which is a, to me a spot on projection uh, for Mount, Mount Pleasant. Uh, I did want to point out some of the great things happening uh, from a capital projects and a capital maintenance perspective. Um, small number of capital projects, large number of capital maintenance projects. Uh, for those of you that have been in Mount Pleasant for a while, um, we went through a huge growth spurt back at the turn of the century. And when you look at um, Wando, the Park West schools being built in and around the year 2000, uh, then we launched into new Whitesides, new Mount Pleasant Academy, uh, new Moultrie. All of those occurred in the first 10 years of, the, of this century. Um, we now have to replace roofs, HVAC, flooring, all those things we do in our house every 10 to 20 years. Um, and so that's why the capital maintenance project was so bigger. Capital projects, uh, this past year we finished the expansion of the Bell Hall parking lot. And we're in the process right now of building the expansion to Carolina Park. It'll add eight additional classrooms uh, that's set to open this fall. And so that'll match up very nicely uh, with our enrollment projections for Carolina Park. We did move the early ed kids, the pre-K kids from Carolina Park Zone over to Laurel Hill. That works in tandem with our concept to try to consolidate uh, the youngest of students in one place. So we provide more support for those teachers through coaches uh, and, other, and other things we have for, uh, for pre-K. Uh, but that expansion at Carolina Park will be open uh, this fall. Uh, we'll hope we hopefully will have the Whitesides car loop expanded. We bought property that was available on Hale Road uh, that'll help us get cars off a of rifle range uh, at Whitesides. We're hoping to have that done uh, this fall as well. Two bigger projects uh, down the road uh, in the 2028 timeframe at the end of the sales tax program. They're both funded as we stand right now. Uh, one is a replacement for J.B. Edwards, uh, which is one of only two schools left that hasn't been recapitalized in Mount Pleasant and expanding Cario. Uh, at the time when we put forward this project, the thought was uh, we were gonna need more room at Cario, but if you look back at the numbers, Cario has really been flat uh, for the last six years and we expect it to continue flat. So we'll look to see what Cario needs to match it up with what we've done at our newer middle schools. And we'll match that need up with uh, that expansion project uh, in the 2028 timeframe. Uh, the last one I've got here uh, in the yellow banner and that's uh, the new uh, high school that's potential in North Highway 17. It's actually a, a middle and high school campus. Uh, we're still working through um, the need for that school, what the school would look like, and the time frame for when that school would uh, move forward. It's it's about 16 miles north of Wando High School, uh, which if you've been up that way, most folks have. It's about an 18-minute drive, which isn't that far. But we want to have enough kids to go to that school to make it viable. And so there'll be surveys. Uh, there has been a survey that's been out to Mount Pleasant families. We're going to have another one coming out that talks about what they would be interested in. We don't want to create something we already have. We want to create a school that takes care of students in that area, as well as provides an opportunity for families and students that want to do something a little different than what we have in our high schools now. So more research on that one coming up down the road here. And that one is, uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, the survey is open uh, for that now. It, it, uh, it, is it out on the street? It's on the street. Okay, so we need people to check that out and to, to give their preferences and opinions uh, for that new high school. And that was sent to families across the entire district. Last time we limited it to Mount Pleasant on all McClellanville uh, and in the islands here uh, here off of Mount Pleasant. We want to look at the entire district. Just like we've had 
uh, students at School of the Arts and Academic Magnet, early college, high school, come from all over. We want to look at that opportunity for the entire district. If we if we could get that link and we could share with the rest of council, because I think um, <clears throat> I know I've heard some comments about people already talking about their kids being reshuffled and their kids won't be in school by the time this is built. But the minute something like this hits the news, I think it's built and that you're already reshuffling the, the, the line. So um, it's definitely something we can help get the word that it's you're, you're not even in. You're trying to figure out what type of high school it's what, what type of high school and really looking to attract students for students um look at look at something that would be advantageous for students or families to say look my student would like that program it's not offered anywhere else in the district driving that distance is not that hard up highway 17 uh, we're good with having our student get on a bus or driving them up there uh, either way so drawing kids into the school from around the district but hopefully not the concern about rezoning, actually forcing students, is that we still have a significant number of seats available at Wando. There's a now that we have Beckham, uh, Wando is well under enrolled uh, at this point, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to remove all the trailers from Wando as well, um, which were there since the school was built. Um, but we've been able to get rid of those along the way. So, and and you. I thought water sewer was an issue up there. Maybe I'm we would be we would be on our own water and sewage, and we have 100 acres, so we have mm -hmm. the capability to do that ourselves uh, if necessary, uh, as most folks have to do in that area. Uh, and we have schools that are on water and septic, uh, not on city water and septic around the district. Thank you. Yep. Uh, last slide is uh, capital maintenance, and I realized looking at this list that uh, I had so much on here that I actually left some, thing, left some things off, but this gives you some idea of what we've got projected through 2027. I've listed uh, projects at Bell Hall and Curio that are complete. Uh, the projects below that at Curio, Mount Pleasant Academy, and Whitesides will all be done in 2024, and then the other projects on the list vary between 2024 and 2027, uh, and Wando actually has... Uh, additional projects including uh, flooring, new batting cages, softball scoreboard um, that didn't make it uh, onto my list here. I ended up gotten, I, I truncated my slide here. Uh, but this capital maintenance program is part of the sales tax referendum. It really allows us to keep the buildings that were built 2000 and later uh, up to speed. Uh, so they are like brand new. And what we do do work in these schools, it does really uh, provide an a feeling of refresh that uh, folks, it feels like a, a new school. And we've been able to uh, successfully turn around a number of schools, even schools that have been here for a while that never were not rebuilt. Uh, if you walk into a school like uh, Bell Hall, uh, which hasn't been recapitalized yet, uh, it's a very different look now than it was three years ago uh, with this capital maintenance program that we have in, in place. So that's just the list of things coming into, into Mount Pleasant between now and uh, 2027. And so one, one issue that I've um, been following um, particularly closely um, is the Whitesides Elementary HVAC um, um, issues that, that have been, um, I guess, ongoing there. Uh, and so I want to preface my comments by commending the, the district for um, recognizing that there is an issue there, um, being very transparent uh, about what the potential issue is and, and what... Um, remedies uh, you're, you're trying. Um, so I, I do want to um, 
start off by, by commending you for that. Um, but then I want to lead into a question. Um, uh, what, what's the path forward for, for Whitesides Elementary in terms of the HVAC uh, issues? So, so the path forward is this past week, uh, we completed our, our test and balance. The test and balance was done after we replaced and upgraded some of the motors and other portions of the three dedicated outdoor air units. We wanted to make sure that tab was done after we made some improvements. So basically, we, we knew what we had to do. We got that done. The tab, we were hoping would show us if there was additional work to be done. What, what the tabs actually showed us was that the building is operating as designed. And so we've really done everything we can with the existing units. Um, we have a plan to replace those three dedicated outdoor air units. Um, the design is underway. The construction money is available. Um, we'll have that done hopefully by the end of this calendar year, calendar year 2024. Um, that will improve the capability of the system because today's dot design standards are indeed different than they were when the school was built 12 years ago, I believe, 12, 13 years ago. Um, and so that, that will eventually show some more improvement in the system, but we continue to monitor uh, from a uh, carbon dioxide perspective and how those units are doing. Uh, we also will continue with mold sampling to ensure that we don't have problems related to that. And we're staying on top of any roof flakes that lead to uh, mold issues uh, in school. So uh, the school has our attention. Uh, we're making sure that um, it has every asset available. Money has not been an object uh, with making sure that we've given the, what, what, what it needs. And we're very confident that uh, we've got systems in place now that will continue to um, make parents and teachers confident that their students are safe. And so do you think that, that upgrades to the HVAC um, system, will that um, result in a, um, a higher um, refresh or air refresh rate within, within the school? It, yes, it should increase the refresh rate, which, which would then lead to lower CO2 levels. And again, the CO2 levels um, are not uh, are not unsafe, um, but there has been some discussion in technical journals that you want to keep those CO2 levels down uh, to ensure that kids and teachers have the best possible environment. But I, I will say again, that, that school is not any different than our other schools around the district from that perspective. Yeah, hopefully it won't be uh, an issue that's widespread among many other buildings. Hopefully it's just something hyper-local uh, to yeah. this specific y building. Yes, sir. We've had, we had some unique situations at, um, at white size that led to um, some real significant sensitivity among families and teachers, and I, I completely understand that. Um, and that's why we've, we're making sure that we, again, we want everyone to feel comfortable going into the school. Yeah, and I think it's uh, become uh, a greater focus, um, you know, with folks who operate um, commercial office buildings. There's just a um, interesting segment on, on 60 Minutes within the past six months about um, some of the innovations that, that are occurring in, the, in that space and, and the implications for it on um, worker health and productivity. And I presume those same benefits would exist within the, the you know, students in a school uh, would benefit from a higher quality of, of air. Um, I know uh, Mr. Icafano had something, I believe, um, specific to Lucy Beckham. Um, well, I, I, ask about. I have some. Uh, we get we get calls all the time. I don't I don't know. 
trying to say this the right way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know, that we, we know that two times a day that there's going to be traffic in a specific area. Sure. So I know, and it's one of those things, it's it's like, and, and, and Chief Arnold has to have, deal with this as well. It's like, well, you know this is happening twice a day, and there's going to be a lot of traffic in that area of, of the school, and it's... It's like we say, well, it's CCSD's property, their entrances and exits, and it's like, well, it's Mount Pleasant's roadway. So I don't even know how to, I mean, I'm getting pictures of people like parking their cars in neighborhoods waiting for the kids. I'm like, okay, it's public streets. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do about that. But um, what is the thoughts on, on Lucy Beckham exit, maybe moving, maybe I'm getting too granular, we could talk after, but... Um, like moving that down a little bit or something on, on Whipple. There's that sharp left to get out of there, but yet you guys have another entrance exit by the other practice fields, something that could maybe be looked into. And I'm not putting you on the spot right now. No, we're certainly, yeah. we're certainly always open to look. Right. Um, we've had other schools in the past that have had experiences with a students parking on public streets, right? Uh, B parents dropping off and picking up on public streets um, and we've had to work through those. Um, there isn't an easy, you know, there isn't a uh, end-all, be-all. You have to look at each individual situation and see what changes can be made uh, from a school perspective, from a municipality perspective. So we just need to take a closer look at that, and we're certainly willing to, to do that. If there's a physical change that we can make to improve traffic flow, we'll certainly look at that. And likewise, I would think that if there's a, a signal change or or something related to the to the town streets, you guys have always been accommodating with that as well. So I uh, we'll okay. want to look at that. Right, excellent. I'm good. Okay. Um, should we move on to the next item on the agenda or, no, or do you have more? I, okay. You don't get off quite that right, easily. <laughs> I would talk to you a little bit. I, again, Mike, I'll echo what Mr. Barroi said and that we really thank the town. It works collaboratively and cooperatively with us, Chief Arnold and all of his team. So we really do want to thank you in that regard. Very quickly, I'll look, um, show you some data specifically in regards to District 2 students. Those to start with in your elementary schools, then we'll look very quickly at the middle school data and the high school data. The first slide here um, demonstrates how ready students in District 2 are when they get to kindergarten. And if you look at the post-COVID um, the COVID year, as Mr. Roy suggested back in 2020, you'll see here that 62.7% um, of your students were demonstrating readiness as compared now to 72%. So we're working really hard to increase opportunities for students east of the Cooper for pre-day opportunity. We're also looking to expand how we collaborate with your daycare centers, centers like O'Quinn and other local centers to help um, support that early readiness to make sure students are ready when they come to us in kindergarten. And then as you've probably seen in the news and as we've worked um, with our school board, we're looking particularly at student readiness in regards to literacy, math, and college and career. So if you look here at District 2 elementary schools, specifically black, black and brown students and how well they perform and how well they're reading on grade level, you'll see that over the course of the last two years, specifically the number of students that are reading at and above grade level um, has increased, again, from 28% in 2021 to 51% in 2023. So again, we're focusing on all students, of course, east of the Cooper, but uh, particularly as we look at gaps 
uh, students between um, white peers and African-American and Hispanic peers, um, we're looking to increase that here uh, in the district. In our elementary schools, uh, SC Ready, if you have children in our schools, and even if you don't, you probably know SC Ready, is how we measure students' proficiency and how well they're reading on grade level. You'll see here again an increase. This is magnificent. Um, students in District 2 outperform students across the district in regards to meeting and exceeding grade level standards in English language arts. Likewise, in math, Again, another impressive number here. Um, again, COVID, right post-COVID to now, the increase here is remarkable um, in, for, for students east of the Cooper, 78% in 21, now to almost 81%. Um, we're seeing it's even more difficult to, uh, to get students to improve their readiness, but we're able to do that here. Um, again, a testament to the excellent educational opportunities east of the Cooper. Middle schools, Cario, Moultrie, and Lane, again, a significant increase in students' uh, reading ability from 75% to 83% uh, last year, an increase of 7.9%. And in math, um, we haven't seen quite the, um, the increase here. The, there's not a significant change in students' readiness in regards to math, but you'll see here 71.1% of students meeting or exceeding targets in middle school math. Very quickly, we'll look at EOC scores. This is something that we're working with Chaz Coker and Anna Dassing on, and specifically in regards to Algebra 1 students. Um, the state report card looks at the number of students scoring a C or higher. We have seen a decrease um, in that east of the Cooper. And so um, Sherry Ebelsheimer, the former principal over at Wando, has goals set with Ms. Dassing and Mr. Coker, specifically uh, in, re in regards to Algebra 1. We've seen a slight decrease in the number of students uh, passing as well, but more of a significant decrease in those scoring C or higher. So it is a focus of ours. Again, want to be very transparent with the data. Here you'll see in English 2, the end of course exams over in our high schools. It's again a slight decrease, not as significant as we saw back in Algebra 1, but it is a focal point of ours um, as we move forward with our high school principals. So that's a quick overview of student data. Overall, you're seeing a significant increases in your elementary schools and readiness and in your elementary and middle schools. Again, a focus of ours is that Algebra 1 specifically in high schools, but we feel we have systems in place to support that continued growth among students. That's great. I think, uh, you know, I'd attribute it uh, a lot to, to the, the staff of uh, CCSD and the teachers, but also our population here um, tends to be pretty well educated and very involved in the schools. And I think those are um, important uh, to our, our success. So. I echo that 100%. It takes a community working together with the school system, and we do see that, and we're thankful for the parents, we're, we're thankful for the town, we're thankful for the mayor, um, and the ecosystem of support. Anytime, like Mr. Perroi said, we call, you're there to help support, and that is really critical in continued improving student outcomes. So we thank you for your commitment to our work. Well, it's our, our pleasure. Um, the next uh, item on the agenda is a, a very important one, I think. Um, it's one that 
uh, I know our staff and, and Mr. Icafano um, have been working on for an extensive period of time with Mr. Barrowi. Um, so um, if you don't mind, I'd like to hand it over to Mr. Icafano, who um, is the council member uh, responsible for this agreement, uh, which I think is going to be of a uh, tremendous uh, impact to both uh, the town of Mount Pleasant and the school district. So, Mr. Icafano. Thank you. So, you know, a couple of years ago when, when I became chair of education committee, there wasn't really too much going on between CCSD and the town that there was no, nothing really negative. So there wasn't much to take on, but I believe in relationships that if you, if you don't keep that relationship fresh and, and, and going, that there will be a problem eventually. So um, we started to get a little bit more active with CCSD and then we, we wanted to see got with staff and said, where, where could we improve? And, and in no way do we want to come in on the education system. That's not our job, right? We, we're here to provide um, assistance, police, and, and things of that sort. But um, so we looked at the facility agreement, and you guys over at CCSD and Mr. Barrowi have been awesome. And what's important is we're starting to cross-utilize the taxpayers' dollars, right? So if you've got something empty on our side, we happy to allow you to use it. And if you've got something, you've been more than willing to, to show that that you'll allow us to use it as well. So I don't think this is the end by any means. I think this relationship can keep growing and we appreciate everything you did on the agreement. Um, I know Steve was here somewhere. I don't know if he's still, there he is, Steve. I don't know why you're hiding back there. You're a huge part of this. So if you want to come up here, but, um, we're just really appreciative of everything that's that's been given to the town, and if we can um, open up anything that you may need as well, we want to continue that conversation. It doesn't end here, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it, it does not end here. So, Steve, I don't know if you want to come up and, and if you have any words or if you have anything to add to this. I, I appreciate being able to work with CCSD, and I appreciate you. You know, helping us through this process, and, and um, I think it is a good agreement. I think, like you mentioned, that uh, the uh, viewing facilities and getting the best use out of it. You know, the taxpayers are, are providing for us. Um, you know, when, when we have facilities that are available, we are happy to make them available for CCSD's use, and, and we'll continue to do so. And, and I appreciate working with y'all on on the facilities that you have, and um, for us to be able to use them uh, for specifically in the recreation programs. You know, for that, that we're able to use. Our citizens um, that really benefits our program and makes allows us to offer more to them. So thank you. And for, for the benefit of the the people in the room, um, could you sort of summarize um, what what some of those um, changes to the the um, shared use agreement are? I sure. What, do we have the slides or not? Do, I'm not sure. Okay. Do. I can summarize it. Okay. All right. Um, there were there were a few different things that we had um, that we agreed upon. For the most part, the agreement. Um, we, we didn't change much of what we were offering to CCSD in, in actuality, but some of we cauterized some of, of, of what we had previously been offering, um, such as use of our, our facilities at the Jones Center, um, at Duffy, um, at um, Joe Garchfields, um, that's used for PE classes and used for field days and stuff that they have going on on a regular basis. So the schools use, utilize it virtually every day, I think, for PE most of the time. Um, utilizing those facilities. And some of that wasn't previously written into the agreement, so we, we formalized it in there, but um, we continued to, to allow them to use that. Um, 
We also are allowing use of the Park West facility um, for the um, Wando swim team. Um, and I think they, they have also used the gym for basketball and for volleyball tryouts that they, they've been able to utilize our facility for that. Um, the town um, continues to use the facilities that we have with CCSD, but some of the, the changes that occurred with their new agreement, um, with their, I'm just going, going to the summer program is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the mini. Right. Um, yeah, the, the classroom in the summer is, mm-hmm. is enormous. Yeah, that was one thing, yeah, the, the summer program we used and, that and we as, added. As Steve mentioned, I think um, clearing up some of the confusion in previous agreements that led to lack of use, like the auditorium space. Yes. Um, we had an agreement back in the day when WANA was built. Uh, the town hasn't received as much opportunity to use an auditorium. Uh, we've got a process in place to make sure that you have that opportunity. We know when it's being used and not being used. That should open that up more often, as well as... Uh, use of the district stadium, which hasn't been uh, hasn't been there in the past as well. So we were just had just a super honest conversation. That's all we had. Right. We'll, using the, we'll be able to use, use the district stadium for ch- championship games. We always used it for the jamboree, but also now we use it for some of our championship games. Like you said, using the, the schools uh, for using, having some space available to accommodate summer programs, summer camps that we have going on, um, and then also use of practice practice facilities at Lucy Beckham and Wando High School. Um, to be able to have extra fields uh, to be able to utilize for our programs would be very, very helpful. Um, and then we, we also talked about continuing discussion about our outdoor uh, uh, playgrounds and basketball courts. We you know, didn't, didn't finish a solution on that, but we said, hey, let's not, hold, let's not let that hold us up and, and make an agreement, but let's continue discussions on how we may be able to utilize those after hours when not in use by CCSD. So, thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a great deal for, for both the district and the town. And, uh, you know, I, I would echo um, John's comments that, that we are uh, ready and, and willing to to help you guys in, in any way that we can. So if there's something specific um, that we can do to help, uh, you know, we're, we're all ears. And, um, you know, we're certainly not the school district, but we do view ourselves as, as a partner to the school district. And um, so, uh, if there's anything we can do to, to help, um, let us know. Um, hey, Mr. Grabowski, thank you for, for coming today. And man, a few words. you could explain more how many kids we actually got from the school. You'd be amazed how small it is. So Thank you for that, Mr. Mr. Grabowski. You're, you're, you're spot on. We are looking, like Mr. Broey said, in how do we attract enough students to 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 
to make sure that we are able to all have a comprehensive high school um, at that site. We know smaller environments limit our ability to provide advanced placement courses, extracurricular opportunities. And so um, Mr. Broey, in collaboration with Angela Barnett on his team, took a look at those numbers and exactly um, what it would take to, to, to get um, an, enough students there for it to be comprehensive um, and fiscally responsible. Yeah. No, no, that's spot on. Uh, we're, I mentioned uh, when I showed my projection slide, we're in the, in the process of, of laying out the next five-year projections. Uh, we have our live-in attend report. It basically takes a look at each of our schools for the given year and shows where all of the kids come from from that school and allows us to do a better job of mapping out what might be available in the future. So we're in the process of updating those numbers. We also work with your planning staff, as well as the planning staffs up in McClellanville, all in our area, to see what developments are coming. We we look at those. If we know there's a development that's been uh, permitted, we go talk to the developer. When are those units going to be built? We roll those into the numbers. Uh, with that, we'll see what those numbers come out to be for this coming year and for the projections. And then it goes back to how do we attract kids outside of the area to get to the number uh, that Mrs. Huggins mentioned so that we can offer the breadth of classes both in the school and extra during school and extracurricular that would be advantageous to students. And so, yeah, I think we're willing to help um, promote, get that word out to, to the community as well. Um, yeah, I, I did a question like on Lucy Beckham, you know, but they have trailers, but they're not at capacity. Is that? So they, they are at capacity. So okay. But, but capacity is uh, not an exact science. Um, so we will never exceed fire capacity. Uh, we'll never have the number, but we try to look at it practically, what can be in a classroom. And so that number isn't an exact science. Now, one of the things that Beckham does to exceed capacity was we plan for 75% use of every classroom. We say that the teachers will have a planning period during the school day. They've got four blocks. One of those is a planning period. Well. Beckham, as an example, uses that empty classroom for another class, and the teacher plans in another location. So the, the number of students can actually be higher than the building capacity if you use it in different ways. They have a class in the media center, as an example. So yes, Beckham is at capacity right now, but they've made the most use of all the space that they, all the space that they have. Okay, and then I, I, I could have gone back. I did have a question. How is the How's it coming along with the um, other cities, students coming from other cities, renting apartments, or, or even, I know the islands is a, is a big one to come in on, on Lucy Beckham, um, people getting, I don't know if it's called a variance or, or what it would be called. So that's a really good question. There's, a, there's an, a waiting list at Lucy Beckham, and what we've done is ensured that um, we're following our own procedures and processes when we're verifying residency. And so there's another layer of that that's been added, particularly as we think about ensuring that the best outcomes for kids and, and making sure that we don't um, have more students going to that school than they should. So um, again, we've taken a closer look at it and we'll do so this residency cycle, I think they've just announced because I happen to be a parent there, that they have residency verification nights that start next month. So we're taking a close look at it, Councilman, to make sure that um, we're all being honest about the process. Thank you. I'm good. 
Well, again, I just wanted to thank you for, for coming in. Um, I think that, um, you know, from my personal perspective, that the school district landed on a, a great leader. Uh, we're counting on you. We're um, happy to, to help you in, in any way that we can. And I hope that the school board uh, will set you up for success. I uh, let you do your job, uh, which is educating our children. And obviously that's uh, something super important to our community. It's a big draw for why people uh, want to live in Mount Pleasant. And uh, we stand um, uh, ready and, and able to help you in, in any way that you need. So thank, thank you, you very much. I'm honored to serve. We look forward to being back to you soon. Uh, great. You. And uh, oh, I just broke the, the gavel on my first time and I broke it. I, I've been looking forward to this all day because I've never had an Andy here where somebody handed me a gavel. So we'll go ahead and uh, adjourn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I should get a picture of this. <laughs> yeah. See.